It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 230, our Christmas special. Uh, entitled The Messiah, Quantum is a podcast that looks at news and views from throughout the world, culture, sport, and many other things. And I think we normally use lots of different music, but I think we will just have one piece of music. You'll see what it is in a moment. But let's begin, first of all, with Armenia. Here's a bit of news from there. The last big war in Karabakh happened in 2020. And at that time, Azerbaijan conquered most of the territory all around the enclave. And so there's only one road that connects the 120,000 Christians who live in this enclave to the rest of the world. And um, it's protected by a Russian peacekeeping force. And yesterday, a group of Azerbaijani activists and soldiers went to that road and blocked it. And it's been blocked for the last 36 hours. So there are people who need medical treatment in Karabakh who cannot get it. They cannot leave through the road. There are people who are visiting family in Armenia and now cannot go back home. Um, and just actually an hour ago, we learned that Azerbaijan has now turned off all the, the fuel pipes into Nagorno-Karabakh. So it's, it's winter in Karabakh. It's in the mountains. And now they have no fuel for heating for generators, for electricity. All the schools in the region are going to be closed tomorrow because there's no there's no gas. Now, it's interesting. What, what intrigues me is how some things get on the news and some don't. I was uh, praying at our church on, on Sunday and there's an Armenian Bible study group there and I prayed for Armenia and some people afterwards expressed appreciation because they didn't know that anyone knew what was going on. And the, basically the Azerbaijanis are taking advantage of the fact that Russia's attention is elsewhere. And so they're taking the opportunity to, I think, wipe out the 100 and, is it 150, 125,000 people in Nagorno-Karabakh. Um, it's interesting. You know, our media complain rightly, absolutely rightly, about the horrific use of cutting off fuel and closing down power plants and blocking transport in winter in Ukraine. But I'm waiting to hear the condemnation for Azerbaijan doing exactly the same thing in Armenia. I think that's an example as we go into Christmas of the fact that there are still wars and there continue to be wars. And so the piece of music we're going to play after every bit is a bit of Handel's Messiah because Christmas is about the coming of the Messiah. And here, the, the great thing about Handel's Messiah, the fact that it's still being sung all over the world, is that it is basically scripture, the King James Version of scripture, uh, put to this incredible music. And here is part of Isaiah 40. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people. Thank you. 
You know, I love that. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Well, we certainly need that in Scotland. I keep threatening to do a special on Scotland. I am going to do it, but we cannot ignore the news coming out of Scotland this week, which is, it is profoundly upsetting. It's upsetting in so many different ways. Um, But first of all, here's Patrick Harvey, leader of the Scottish Greens and member of the Scottish Government. I'm really sorry, and I think all of our politicians should be saying sorry for having taken too long to get this done. But it is going to be an important step forward. It might be that not every single vote on all of the amendments goes the right way. I hope we'll win them all. But there are some changes that we're going to have to make just to make sure that the UK government can't find routes to to challenge and overturn this bill. So this bill is not going to be perfect, but it's also not going to be the end of the story. We'll continue after this bill has been passed to make the other important changes in starting to recognise non-binary people's identities, in improving trans healthcare, which takes far too long and is deeply inadequate. There's a huge amount more that we need to do. But I want you to take heart from the fact that though it has taken too long and been too toxic a debate, we are making progress and we will continue to deliver the change that's required. Now, we don't show video, obviously, on this, uh, but the video of him giving that talk is really quite scary. It's the video of the wide-eyed fanatic Uh, warning us that there is more to come. Those who think, oh, we'll get this over and done with and then that will be it. No, it won't. Patrick Harvey, who seems to be pulling the strings of the Scottish government, is going to do a whole lot more. I I find it just incredible that he talks about being toxic a debate and at the same time accuses uh, those who dare oppose him and this incredible bill that's going through Parliament of being homophobic and so on. And notice he says only the beginning. Let me say another, just a a couple of things about that. Harvey talks about the right way. You see, to these people, there is only one right way. He talks about trans health care. You realise what he's talking about. He's talking about mastectomies. He's talking about puberty blockers. He's talking about treating children in that way. And then this is the most astonishing thing. You won't believe this. Almost nobody I know believes this, but I've just heard an SNP government minister defending it. And that is, I mean, you you can hardly believe this. 
So Russell Finlay put forward an amendment to deny sex offenders a gender recognition certificate where they could be treated as a woman and go to a woman's prison. Now you're talking about male rapists who then say that they're a woman. You would think, who's going to be opposed to that? The Scottish government was. 59 people voted for, MSPs voted for, 64 against. So the Scottish government, the Scottish parliament, has voted to defend sex offenders before defending women. Just let that sink in. Do you know, I've been listening to Alistair Begg, just uh, three tremendous sermons. Look them up on Romans 1. And I think it's entitled, uh, God Gave Them Up. Um, they really, really are tremendous sermons. And one of the things he points out from Romans 1, which is obvious when you read it, but it takes a while to get round, is that God doesn't punish us because of these kinds of things. This is the punishment. Scotland is being punished for turning against God by going to this level of debauchery and sheer wickedness. I think God is shaking the nations. And that's our next piece of Handel's music. It's from Haggai 2. Thus said the Lord, the Lord of hosts, yet once a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. And then he follows by Malachi 3.1. The Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Well, let's listen to a bit of this. And now let's go over to the country that's been trying to outwoke Scotland. It's funny how it's the small countries that are doing it the most. I think what happens is leaders get into power who've been educated, indoctrinated in the kind of woke establishments, and they're desperate to show how they can, well, they think go to the top, I think descend to the bottom quickest. Well, that was, this is uh, New Zealand, and uh, it's an extraordinary thing. 
time was when the intelligence services were never seen, never heard. But now they're loudly proclaiming your country needs you to keep an eye on those you know and, if necessary, dob them in. Recognising a potential warning sign and then alerting NZSAS or police could be the vital piece in the puzzle that ultimately saves lives. To that end, they're publishing a guide called Know the Signs to help us all identify potential terrorists in our midst. Authorities say they're usually closely monitoring 40 to 50 potential terrorists. These people used to be motivated by their white identity or by their faith. But in the past six months, a third group has emerged, those motivated by politics. And so it could be the COVID measures that the government took, or it could be other policies that are interpreted as, as infringing on rights. Uh, and, and, and it's a, what I sometimes describe as a kind of hot mess of, of ideologies and beliefs, um, fueled by conspiracy theories. This is the head of anti-terrorism saying to people, you need to dob your family in or dob your friends in. There are 50 signs that they may be extremists, amongst which are questioning government measures on COVID or questioning restrictions on liberty. It's extraordinary that we're having that kind of stasi intervention. This is state power saying if people go against the official doctrines of the state, there's, they could really, they're extremists, they're potential terrorists. It means, in our previous item, that if somebody in Scotland questioned whether a man who was a rapist who said he was a woman should go to a women's prison, that could be considered an extreme view for which the government could label you a terrorist. Extraordinary. Well, Handel's Messiah has something to say about that again, because, um, quoting Isaiah 40 verse 9, this, O thou that tellest good tidings to Zion, get thee up unto the high mountain. O thou that tellest good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say unto the city of Judah, behold your God. See, the news from New Zealand is bad. The news from Scotland is bad. But the news that Christians have to proclaim is good. That the Messiah has come. Let's listen to some of it.
Okay, so it's Christmas, and of course you get the obligatory uh, anti-Christmas story. You, you think by now people would have learned. But the University of Brighton has advised its staff to avoid using the word Christmas when communicating with students. In a new nine-page inclusive language guidance that the university said was prepared with input from staff and students, the word Christmas is deemed to be too Christian-centric and could be offensive to non-Christians. I wonder if they're doing the same with Hanukkah or Eid. The document sent to lecturers suggests they use the term winter closure period when referring to the end of the term. And this is apparently supposed to be under the Equality Act. Wow. If you think that's bad, um, what about Stamford? There's a tremendous article in the Times about um, what Stamford are proposing uh, it's just spectacular. I, I want to read you a bit of it because it's just incredible. Uh, on the Stanford websites, users of these websites should not be referred to as users because in case they feel they're being compared to drug addicts, although you shouldn't say addict either as the word tends to define people by just one of their characteristics. You again have to be careful with the word addicted. You cannot say that you're addicted to a television series or a bar of chocolate because this trivializes the experiences of people who deal with substance abuse issues. Um, this, they, they call this the oppressive language list, and which they've now called it the suggested language list. Uh, even the phrase trigger warning should not be used because it uh, may co- cause people to have images about triggering. Uh, picnic should be censored because it evokes in some instances lynchings of black persons in the US although the word lynching is not dealt with (laughs) oh my goodness you can't say there's more than one way to skin a cat because that expression normalises violence against animals you should not talk of flogging a dead horse or of killing two birds with one stone. Indeed, the phrase killing it. So, hey, Dave, you're doing a good job on the podcast. You're killing it, man. No, you can't say that either. Um, doing a good job should not be equated with death. The term could also be triggering if someone close to the recipient was killed. I mean, you think this is a joke. It's not a joke. I mean, the logicality of it is absurd because I find Stamford's language in all of this really upsetting and triggering. But I know to complain to them would be flogging a dead horse. Hey, but listen, anything that woke American universities can do, woke churches can do as well. Uh, This is from Loughborough, the traditional 17th century carol, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. You know the song, it's about Jesus' birth and the joy of the shepherds and Mary. Well, at Loughborough, Holy Trinity, no, All Saints with Holy Trinity in Loughborough, they provided an alternative version of the lyrics. Um, <laughs> removes the references to Christ as Saviour and to Satan. It refers to queer and questioning and women who by men have been erased. God rest you also women who by men have been erased, through history ignored and scorned, defiled and displaced. Remember that your stories too are held within God's grace. God rest you, queer and questioning, your anxious hearts be still. Believe that you are deeply known and part of God's goodwill, for all to live as one in peace. The global dream fulfilled. It's so ugly. It's so pathetic. It's so anti-Christian. 
We have to go back to Handel's Messiah, and this is beautiful. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I think Handel's Messiah is a great soundtrack, actually, for our culture. And I think this is what Christmas is about. So enjoy this for a wee bit. Incidentally, all the links of these will be uh, on the website. Okay, that was a bit depressing. This isn't depressing. I thought this was hilarious. This is a story that uh, Roger Federer <laughs> told recently. Listen to this. It was actually two weeks ago. So uh, I was in Tokyo um, for uh, our sponsor, my sponsor, Uniqlo, and I came back uh, to Wimbledon, yes. actually to London, to come see a doctor for having a second opinion on my knee because uh -huh. my knee has been not great lately. And then I didn't want to tell Wimbledon that I was going to maybe be there and I didn't know if I was going to have time to go by the club oh, because I was going to fly got home got it, got it. to the family. So doctor appointment was done. Look on the watch. Okay, we got two hours to, to kill. So what are we going to do? Do we head to the airport or let's quickly go have tea at Wimbledon? Of course. So I'm like, course. let's go. Um, but I have not really been at Wimbledon when the tournament is not on. So, okay, so I drive up to the gate um, where usually guests come in, yes. uh, where let's say you would arrive right, right, and then right, you right. go up. And uh, so I, I get out, I tell my coach who was with me at the time, Severin, uh, I tell him, I quickly go out and speak to the security lady, you know, I'll, I got this, you know, and then <laughs> I, I, I did not. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then I get out and I'm like, yes, hello. Um, I'm just was wondering how I can get into Wimbledon. Uh, you know, where, where, where's the door? Where's the gate? And she's, yeah, yeah do you have a membership card? I'm like, uh, we have one? I, I don't, uh, because when you win Wimbledon, you become a member automatically. Okay. Uh, yes, and I, I uh, honestly, I don't know about membership cards. They're probably at home somewhere. And I've just been traveling, so I had no idea. So I'm like, no, uh, I don't have my membership card, but I am a member. I'm, I'm just wondering where I can get in. And she's, yeah, but you have to be a member. So, 
I'm like, okay, it's going to be difficult here, this one. So I'm like, no, I am a member, and uh, normally I am here, so oh, I, I, I have to start again, right? So I tell her, normally when I'm here, I'm playing. And uh, there's loads of people, and I come in in a different way, and now it's the first time I'm not here. Uh, I'm, yeah, well, the tournament's not on, and I don't know where to get in, so I'm just asking you again, where can I get in? She's like, well, I'll decide, but you have to be a member. So I look at her one last time, and I, I'm in a panic now, and I'm, I'm so sorry, and I couldn't believe, I still can't believe I say that, because I still feel bad about it, and I'd look at her and say, I have won this tournament eight times, <laughs> please, believe me, I am a member, and where do I get in? So I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh. It was, uh, so, so then, yeah. so, I get back in the car, my coach is like, oh, all good, where do we get in? I'm like, don't, don't, don't talk. <laughs> so I'm like, let's go up and around the gate. It's so like she doesn't a, let you in? No. So, oh, wow. okay. I, I, so then I go out and the, I go around on the other side. So I get out of the car and random person walks, uh, you know, uh, on the what, walkway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And said, oh, Mr. Federer, my God, I can't believe you're here at Wimbledon. Can we take a selfie? I'm like, yes, let's take, <laughs> let's take a picture. And, and, the secure, and the security guards that are there, they're like, oh, my God, Mr. Federer, what are you doing here? Do you have your membership card? I'm like, no, I don't. But is it possible to get in? Of course, we'll open the door. Let me organize it. And I walk in, and the chairman was there, and everybody, and then I was having tea for an hour. And I thought of going over to the other side and giving a wave that I was in. But... But I, I, I didn't do it. You would never do that. But it was, you would never do that. Was... You know, and what that made me think about was, well, apart from the fact that Federer, he should have been recognised. He needed a ticket to get in. I've been thinking about that in terms of revelation in a couple of issues, a couple of things. You know, Jesus came to his own and his own did not receive him. His own didn't know him. People didn't know him. When he comes again, everyone will know. And secondly... Those who come to Christ have their ticket to heaven. You know, we don't buy a stairway to heaven. We can't earn it. But because of Christ, because of Christ coming into this world, as we come to a living and saving faith in him, we have our ticket to heaven. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world.
Let's do a little bit of news from India and China. Um, I'm going to look maybe in the new year. I think what we'll do next week is look back over the previous year and the following week we'll look forward, as we usually do, to the coming year. But just an item of news that may have passed you by. India has moved an unprecedented number of troops to the disputed border with China. By the way, did you know that that border is mountainous, but it's 2,100 miles long? And they moved them there because Chinese forces have again moved in and triggered a skirmish and so on. It's a deeply concerning situation. And then in case you missed this as well, uh, you know, it seems that Meghan and Harry are more important or Jeremy Clarkson is more important for many people. But in Jerusalem, Benjamin Netanyahu, Israel's longest serving prime minister, is back in power. He's announced on Wednesday he's succeeded in forming a coalition government that is set to bring him back to power at the helm of the most right wing administration in Israeli history. Um, it is described by the New York Times, so take that as you will as a hardline six-party coalition. Again, never take your eyes off Israel. And, you know, we long for protection and justice for the Jewish people in Israel, but also for the Palestinians as well. Some Christians are putting their hope in Israel. You know, they think that... that if Israel succeeds, the church succeeds, and this will bring about the second coming. I don't. I think we put our hope in, well, this next clip we're going to hear, Job 19. I know that my Redeemer liveth, and he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. 1 Corinthians 15:20. For now is Christ risen from the dead, the firstfruits of them that sleep. Our... Hope is not in a politician having his career resurrected. Our hope is not in a country being resurrected. Our hope is in the risen Christ.
And then I picked this up from uh, Ronald Reagan, former President Reagan. This is, I, I just thought this was excellent. Listen to this, this short clip. I have long been unable to understand the atheist in this world of so much beauty. And I've had an unholy desire to invite some atheists to a dinner and then serve the most fabulous gourmet dinner that has ever been concocted. And after dinner, ask them if they believed there was a cook. When I look around at all the creation, I see that all this God has done. I, I think Reagan is right. It's like inviting someone to the most fabulous meal and asking them, do you believe in the cook? Um, well, we do. I look at a world which is full of sin. I look at a world where... The Armenian-Azerbaijani war continues, as do many other wars, the Ukraine war and so on. I look at a world where governments think that they can redefine what a human being is. I look at a world where people seek to remake the world and end up destroying it. I look at a world, as, as we've been seeing, where it's just oppression for so many people. I look at a world where academics don't know what language is or misuse language. I look at a world which doesn't recognize Christ. And I'm thankful that we can recognize the creator of the world and that he sent his son into the world because that's what Christmas is about. That's what the Messiah is about. And this is probably the most famous part of it. We're going to finish with the Hallelujah Chorus, of course. This is the Royal Choral Society in Albert Hall. All the other clips were from various uh, groups. Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. It may not look like that at some times. You know, imagine right now you are campaigning outside the Scottish Parliament and you're a feminist. You have no belief or trust in God. There are feminists who do, but imagine you don't. And you see this horrendous legislation which destroys women, it really does, being passed, you would be in despair. But the Christian can both weep and mourn at the stupidity and the ignorance and the evil of it. The same with wars, the same with everything else. But at the same time, we can rest in peace and rest assured because the Lord God omnipotent reigns and the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever, King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. So join us next week for our review of the year. I hope you have a great Christmas. Thanks to Peter for producing this. If you want to support Quantum, then please go on to the Podbean fundraiser. you got any comments or questions or news, please do send them to me. But hallelujah, the Lord God omnipotent reigns. See you next week. Bye. Oh.